We have here in our gospel passage uh, a verse and, and a section here that's very appropriate for Labor Day. It's, um, I'm quite amazed sometimes by how Providence arranges the, the time and then also the readings. It wasn't planned. It wasn't intended by the church to be this way. But here we have Christ who is inaugurating the beginning of the public ministry, the public preaching of the gospel. And he, he starts with a text that talks about, uh, a text that's very appropriate to talk about social justice, the liberty of the captives, letting the oppressed go free, uh, tide, good tidings to the poor. And so this is something that characterizes the gospel, characterizes Christianity, is uh, justice for the oppressed. And uh, again and again, it's very important always to insist that Christianity is not a uh, merely private religion. It's just between me and God. And, it, you know, no one can enter into the four walls of my head. It's just God exists in there. I mean, the, the Christianity is meant to go out into the public sphere, and it's meant to affect the whole world. And uh, but again, we we find many many attempts on the part of the state of people who are in the state mechanism that want to you know constrict and confine Christianity to be a, a merely private kind of thing. And that you know you can't vote according to your religious beliefs. That's bringing religion into the public sphere. Oh no, can't do that. All of this kind of mentality is very very contrary to the gospel and to Christianity as it's been believed for 2,000 years. We can never, ever stop resisting the very strong social impulse and pull to make religion a merely private matter. But today we celebrate Labor Day. And Labor Day originates in really this kind of a, I think, you know, you can kind of trace it back to the conflict between capital and labor that characterizes the modern economic situation. And it's a, it's a tribute to the working classes and the fact that the very fabric of our society, the material substratum of our world as we know it, it, it depends upon the, the men and, and, the, and also the women who work with their hands and physically build things. Okay, So uh, no matter how many architects you have, no matter how many high-level theoreticians that you have, unless someone actually cuts down the tree or you know gets into the mine shaft and brings out the the rocks and the coal and whatnot and puts hammer to wood and and so forth and so on unless someone does that the world doesn't doesn't our culture and our world can't exist and there's this uh, uh it, there can be in the modern world it uh, doesn't have to be there but it is there this kind of conflict between management and, and labor. Now, my father, in a certain sense, was a kind of a small-time entrepreneurial um, entrepreneur. He uh, was a pharmacist, um, uh, but he was part owner of a of a small chain of drugstores, Peterson Drugs. Nowadays, the, the drugstores have been bought out, bought out. But there's like two companies, basically. You know, it's like whatever. I don't know, Rite Aid and one other one. You know, but back in the day, there used to be small, you know, drugstores. And uh, even locally owned, individually owned drugstores. Um, this one, though, Peterson Drugs was a chain of about 20 stores or so. My father was part owner, and he was the manager of the of the of Peterson Drugs in Ontario. So I grew up from my youngest days actually working. He put me to work from the time I was probably six years old or whatever, mopping floors and whatnot, you know. 
But uh, I always saw things from the point of view of management and never from the point of view of labor because he would always come home and talk about how it's so hard to find good work and these dumb kids, they can't, you can't, you know, they never show up to work on time and all this kind of stuff. So I would always, I view things from the point of view of management by by my upbringing. Um, and then my brothers becoming engineers, being more like high-level uh, directors and whatnot, they, they would always complain about, you, you know, I, I wanted to get this project done and this guy... You know, one of the technicians is like, oh, no, I can't, like, get up on that ladder and turn that knob because that's not my job. You know, the union is, it doesn't allow me to do that, I, you know. So, and then I, I was a school teacher, so, and I, and the school, the New York State School Teachers Union is very, very powerful. And uh, it's kind of scary, quite frankly. And I knew it from the inside out. Um, you know, I, I have stories to tell that are just scary, almost mafia-like kind of Behavior that I, I just couldn't fit in with. Um, really, if, I probably would if I'd gone on teaching. I probably would have come to the point where I would have been like, "Well, I guess I'll pay my dues because you don't give me a choice in the matter. You extract my dues from me, but I'm not going to participate in the, in the union because you guys are all about groupthink. I mean, there's no individual voices or critical thinking. It's just all groupthink, and and you know, really kind of intimidation and bullying." Um, so that's all, you know, that's the, that's the dark side of labor. But it does not, um, negate the fact that uh, labor unions came about for a good reason. Because capital really abused labor. Especially in the late 19th century and the early 20th century. Um, here's a passage from a great, I always promote this if I can, the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church. Great resource. Absolutely great resource. It's got an awesome index and it's just so organized. It's a really, really great resource. So this is, this is a section from it and it quotes in part from John Paul II. The relationship between labor and capital often shows traits of antagonism that take on new forms with the changing of social and economic contexts. In the past, the origin of the conflict between capital and labor was found above all in, quote, and this is from John Paul II, and the fact that the workers put their powers at the disposal of the entrepreneurs, and these, following the principle of maximum profit, these following the principle of maximum profit, tried to establish the lowest possible wages for the work done by the employees. Okay, so then he goes on. But the point is, is capital was treating labor as it, it was dehumanizing labor. Okay. And uh, this goes back to this fundamental mistake with unfettered capitalism is, is a real problem. Unfettered capitalism is a real problem. The idea that the, the, the secret to success, to economic success, is to get these really smart guys to study these sort of impersonal laws by which the market economy is governed. And if you just figure out these laws and kind of like manipulate them... You're gonna, it's gonna be magic, magic success and prosperity for any economy. It's really false and it goes back to an, uh, an 18th century mindset that wanted to take things that were fundamentally human and subject them to impersonal natural law. Okay, because the economy is a fundamentally human reality. It consists of of human, every economic interaction is a human interaction. So we're talking about free human agents that have to obey the moral law. 
It's not impersonal laws like when you study physics or something like that. Okay, So the mistake happens when you think you can take the sort of physics paradigm and apply it to what, what's a fundamentally a human reality. So when it comes to human realities, they're moral realities, and you've got to take into account morality. That is justice and charity and things like that. And so this is how the economy needs to be governed, by the moral law, not these impersonal scientific laws that you think you can master and, then ma- and, and magically lead to prosperity. This whole idea of capital, sitting there looking at labor as if, let's see the very minimum that we can pay these people, and them, and they still work for us. <laughs> you know, it's like that's not the right attitude. The right attitude is these are human beings, and uh, there doesn't need to be a conflict between management and labor. We can be in this together as a team, okay, and love one another and make sure that we treat each other like human beings, and uh, have the confidence that God's good world has got more than enough resources for everybody and anybody. You know, it's this fear that uh, the more that, that you have, the less that I have. It's a, it's a mentality of scarcity, totally false philosophy. And it's amazing how much the modern world is run on that philosophy of scarcity. It goes back to a kind of a false Darwinianism, survival of the fittest, that we're all in competition with each other. Instead of, we're all neighbors, we're all on the same team. We can work together, and God's good earth has got more than enough resources for everybody. We could all be rich beyond our wildest dreams if we cooperate with each other, love one another, and work for justice for all. So... This idea that, you know, you're going to try to suck as much out of the labor as you possibly can. <laughs> you know, this unfortunately is a sinful inclination that characterizes much of capital and management. And so labor is justified in, in joining together and banding together and forming unions and so there can be negotiating parties in all of this. Now, so in all of that though, this is, this is power politics. In all of that though, the, the fundamental overriding idea is that we're human beings, both of us, both sides of this divide, management and labor. We're human beings, and uh, we need to respect each other, and we need to work in charity, and we need to work for justice. But today, this Labor Day, let's remember that. Let's remember the, the fundamentally human reality of, the, of our economy, and that uh, justice and charity need to uh, need to reign and not some kind of impersonal law, set of laws. Um, and uh, so this is, this is something to pray for today, that this, these truths can become a reality for us uh, so that there can be justice for all in our society.